I'm not into podcasts. Hello, it's Killian Ginnity, and I'm delighted to be joined by Connor Glennon on the Not A Pundit podcast. Connor, how are we going? I'm not too bad at all. Uh, I'm interested to see how this week goes for for both uh, Newcastle United and, and Manchester United. Um, I think both. I have a feeling both Manchester clubs will will, will get a win uh, at the uh, Wednesday time of recording. But we'll we'll see how we go. Um, you have you emerged from your your pit of sadness after after Mowbray? I heard yourself and Nathan slightly touch on it, but uh, I don't. I think he was afraid to push that 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 stick too much. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm sad for Tony. Um, I don't think he did a whole lot wrong, but I'm really happy that for once Sunderland has a proactive, um, board and a proactive model in place. Um, a lot of fans aren't happy. A lot of fans aren't happy with the with the uh the structure and the fact that so much credence has been given to Christian Speakman. But they're boiled ham Brexiteer kind of fans. Like they are four four two, and where's the little man and the big man up top? So I don't really listen to them. Um, I think it's it's very interesting to actually have a European model kind of working out because like uh, it's worked for Brighton and it's worked for Brentford and it's a much more positive situation than we've been in in a, in a long, long well, I, time. I never, I never thought I'd be looking at a club like Brighton. Don't get me wrong, Brighton are a great club, great history, but I, I would never have thought I would have been looking at a club going, yeah, I wouldn't mind being them. Like, don't get me wrong, Newcastle are flying it. Who knows if, if we can maintain that. But, but for I, different reasons. That's the thing, you know, and, and I, it, you know, they've done it the right way. And I think if you're any team in the I don't know top three divisions, you're looking at Brighton going, okay, that looks pretty fun. It used to be West Ham, you know, there's a club every couple of years that happens to, but Brighton have really had a glow up. It's what I like about them is the uh, the fact that it's so sustainable. Mm. Like, yeah, that ownership could sell, and somebody else could come in and just pick up that mantle. That same can't be said for Newcastle. Like, no. we're going to get that kind of ownership. City now might because they've spent a decade and billions to try and get to there um but like yeah no it's 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 going to be very interesting um to see what move Sunderland goes with um i, I think it's all going to be a name that we don't know interesting um, there's been some cool yeah. names been floated around some really interesting characters yeah um but one guy i definitely hope isn't going to be on that list is paul heckenbottom who Hmm. is the first manager in the sack race this season um is it just me is it kind of late like usually it's like it's a halloween thing yeah like i mean the first managers to, to go usually find themselves out of a job you know in and around autumn or, or early winter um there is one kind of when i went digging in the weeds of, of what was kind of the the outlier in it i suppose the the main notable one was 99 2000 um and it was it, it was until March, uh, no gaffer had been sacked. Um, and the first one that year was was Danny Wilson at Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, uh, I I do love them as a club, but I, I thought it was interesting that um, it, it took the whole time to March there. But one that I I think is fascinating, just uh, from my own black and white lenses, is uh, actually I'll put it to you. I've given it away that it's it's the tune, but it was the fastest ever manager to be sacked in the Premier League, and how long was it? Oof. Um, Les Reed was the shortest, but I can't remember if that was the end of the season or not. It was Kenny mm. Daglish, two games, um, oh. 98-99. And, and that was at, at Newcastle? It was at Newcastle, yeah. It, it really came in. The, it, it just... It was one of those situations that was an absolute dumpster fire from, from start to finish. Um, but uh, I think... What has intrigued me more is yourselves and ourselves appear on a very unfortunate list. Um, Tottenham are at the top of this list. Uh, it's for basically being the team that have parted ways with their manager the most at the earliest. Uh, so Tottenham are at the top, Newcastle have three, uh, Sunderland two, and uh, sorry, Sunderland three and Chelsea two. Um, I can't remember what seasons now. They they obviously they're in, in oh, different so th- seasons. This- 
this is number of times we're the first club to sack yeah. the manager. So, okay. so, so obviously throughout the season, but the ones that it started to jog my memory of is, and I don't have to start on this, but I know both of our clubs have had a real uh, a revolving door at times. Uh, mm. 2009 springs to mind for the tune when, when unfortunately uh, Alan Shearer brought us down. I think he was our fourth or fifth that year. You guys had a pretty similar circumstance yes like so what would happen with us was um up until david moyes brought dragged us down um we would have like gus poyet or dick advocate or paolo Decanio, and they'd come in mid-season do the great escape and then the rot had set in again yeah. and they'd be gone very early so like Decanio was only 12 games i think dick advocate was like 14 games um so yeah, it's like I kind of get them ones. I don't like them. It's not a good list to be on, but I kind of understand it. <laughs> well, one thing that I do find like it's one of those lists you can look at two ways. Like, yeah, it's not ideal to be the first team to sack your manager. It kind of showcases you're not doing well, but at least it shows that the board are being proactive and trying to solve the situation that they're in. Because like, oh, there's nothing worse than holding on. You know, but when you're when you're the first ones in a season doing it, especially like say like the Palo de Canio, like that was mad early. Yeah. Um, like you're after committing a summer, and like yeah. at that year with Palo de Canio, I think we'd signed 14 players for a total fee of like one million. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, like, even amongst Sunderland fans, that summer transfer window is a quiz in itself. Kind the of stuff going, of legend. Who, oh, who doesn't forget Cabral? The Cape Viridian that we signed from the Swiss League, like, I mean, we we had our own few one ones of them. I think every every club has had them. Even United have gone through a stretch of, you know, I think when you look at United and, and the transfers they've had, Liverpool too. I think it was uh, United had some. For every Wayne Rooney, there was Bebe. Um, you know, there was when you look at Liverpool. I think I, I'm fairly. I can't remember the exact number, but Benitez signed like a hundred players in his tenure there. Like, it, you know, mad stuff. Yeah, but like, I think I think Liverpool relatively forgivable apart from the Hodgson Daglish era, because like at least some of the players towards the end of Benitez, it was like yeah they didn't work out, but maybe they should have. Like, do you remember Aquilani yeah. from Fiorentina? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Good, really good midfielder. Didn't suit the English game and is injury prone. So it's kind of like yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I get, I get, I know what you're doing there. It just yeah, didn't, it just work, didn't out. work out. Yeah. It's not like when Liverpool were buying Christian Poulsen, who was like on borderline ready to retire at Juventus, or Paul Konchesky. Oh, um, my days. I did love him back in his Fulham days. He was fantastic. Do you remember uh, the young Argentinian winger, Bruna, that was there? Geraldo Bruna, that designed from Madrid. Rings a bell. Do you know why it might ring a bell? Because he spent about four years at Derry City. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think there's an episode in that from Madrid to Derry or something like. It. Jesus Christ! What? I mean, his 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 partner, his poor partner, must have been Jesus. That's a polar shift. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like bringing it back to the present day, do you think Heckenbottom deserved it? I think I think so. To be honest, I mean, it it, it was a you know it, they've had a pretty tough start to things bottom of the premier league four points adrift of safety oh like losing 11 of their opening 14 games shout out stephen kenny who lost his first 11 um but yeah i think you know the game is at a point where you just can't be doing that you know and it's you know personally i think give managers time um but i think it's a lot easier to give a manager time when you're guaranteed to stay up but when you're bottom rock bottom four points off coming into December you either go down with the ship or make a decision and and the board made the decision what about you I'm not a fan of Heckenbottom in general like so he rejected Sunderland a few years ago so when he was at, I think it was Barnsley um he rejected us I think went up to Hibs right. and then he got sacked there and then he went to Leeds and he got sacked there and then he became the, like the under 21s manager for Sheffield and then became like the interim coach and then was given the job. So like that man has failed upwards. Um, so I think it was kind of like with Nathan Jones with Southampton. Like it was just beyond his ability. Like no no harm to the man. He was put in the position and you're not going to say no. But like 
Again, shout out to Stephen Kearney. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, not mine. Um, but yeah, like it's Sheffield seemed seem to have resigned themselves to relegation with appointing Chris Wilder. Um, and we'll get kind of get onto him a little bit more later on. But like, it doesn't show ambition, and um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It shows someone to guide the ship down with stability if that makes sense yeah like it's it's kind of like what norwich and fulham did when they were kind of yo-yo in between the two yeah. like sometimes it's just better to get up and have a year than come back down than doing what so many teams like like what fulham did one of them years which was go and spend all of the monies and then go back down anyway um like when they did they spend 20 or 30 million on seri in the midfield uh, not far off i don't know the exact yeah. number but i remember being lunacy numbers for the situation they were in and I was kind of like, okay, wow. Um, like, thank God that um, Tony Khan went and bought his wrestling company because that seems to have kept his father's purse strings a little bit tighter and a little bit more clever, <laughs> all to the benefit of the club. Um, so, yeah, like, I think Heckenbottom's the first and probably the most deserving. Um, you don't want to see anyone lose their job, but yeah, no, I agree. no. But I think of of the Premier League, if anybody, somebody has to be the first, and I think yeah. he's of them. I think he's most deserving. But what I think it will be interesting to see is who's next, and um, I, I'll we're very quickly going to go through the odds here, yeah. brought by um a, 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 a blue betting company, um, um <laughs> Billy Mountain, we'll call him. Um, so the odds on favorite right now to be sacked is Steve Cooper at six to four. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Ten Hag seven to four, Company seven to one, Hodgson seven to one, Iriola fourteen to one, Marco Silva fourteen to one, Chris Wilder a day in the job is at sixteen <laughs> to one to get the sack. Um, Rob Edwards at Luton twenty to one, Pochettino twenty five to one, Gary O'Neill thirty three to one, Moyes thirty three to one, Dyche forty to one, which is a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, Eddie Howe fifty to one, Deserby sixty six to one, and then we're getting into the unrealistics. But uh, two hundred and one, two hundred to one is no manager to leave. Um, that'd be so, unbelievable. But yeah, yeah, like I, I don't think that's worth the sneaky tenor. Um. But yeah, like Steve Cooper, does he deserve uh, it? I mean, like you said, he's at six to four. Um, the third consecutive league defeat on the bounce, uh, going one nil down at home to Everton. Games the like 15th. that against, or yeah, fifteen, yeah, fifteenth. Like games like that against Everton, though, you gotta win. They're you know they're six pointers. I know it's December, but they're six pointers. Um, and I think that goes that plays into um, the point about Dyche. I think there's two things keeping Dyche's odds way higher than we would have imagined. The points deduction um, mm. uh, is a major part of it. Who who's going to want to come in on that? Ownership is precarious at the moment, which also has that of, deal gone through. I don't know if it's. I know it's going through. I'm not exactly sure if it's fully been takeover. I haven't. Well, I put it this way: I haven't seen the pictures with the scarves on the pitch yet. So, okay. um, so yeah, I, I, I think with that one, I mean, the other th- the one thing that is being talked about with Cooper is that this comes out of the Telegraph um, that their notoriously trigger happy trigger happy owner uh, mm. is aspirated uh, by the club's failure to appoint. And this I found odd when the it was when I read it this morning. Uh, a set piece specialist following um, his ninety five million transfer spent over the summer, and I think that's the key point. Whether he deserves to be sacked or not, spending ninety five million quid to find the position that they're in, it's hard to walk away from that clean. Yeah, but like to spend ninety five million because they genuinely need to. Well, like, that's the, that is a, I, I agree completely. Like, they got the unlikely um, promotion. And I think more to the point, who are they going to get to replace them? Well, this is the thing. I think it's one of them jobs that's so precariously balanced that, like, because he has some, he had so much credit in the bank, 
that's the only thing that was keeping him safe. Anybody else that comes in could still be sacked before the end of the season because the owner, he's the owner at Olympiakos, is it? As well? I believe so. Yeah, that, yeah. That, one I mean, of the one of the big Greek three or four teams, yeah. and like he was notoriously trigger happy there. And um, like, who do you get in? Because like, without that stability and kind of guarantee of a proper squad, they could get dragged into a relegation fight. So it's kind of. It's a a high risk, low reward for somebody else to take over the job. So well, why not leave it with the guy? Like, and, and if it, even if it does resign you to relegation, well, then I don't think there's anybody better that you're going to get. I agree, and that's you know I was listening to Gary Lineker uh, on on his podcast over the, the last couple of weeks, and they were kind of discussing the fact that is the reason it's taken this long for someone to get let go from their job. And anyone to be really in fear of losing it because there isn't the caliber of what's needed to replace them out there. You know what I mean? That's not to say that everyone else outside of these these guys are bad coaches, but it, is the standard there, or maybe the standard is there, but the the compensation to get them in is too high. You know, someone like a, a Will Still, you know. Well, I think I think with the likes of a Will Still, and I'm seeing it at Sunderland because Sunderland seems to have a lot of options on the table, and all of the English names that were bookies were just throwing in, um, like Heckenbottom being linked, none of them fit the model, and I think that's the big thing is that you have these clubs that aren't actually really defined on a model. So say Tottenham bringing in Ange, but they had the issue with Paratici. So you, you don't really have a director of football. So you need somebody yeah. that can still be the, the strong man and deal with the director of football if the director of football comes back. But then you have somebody like a Deserby that's coming in with a set model. Newcastle now has a set model, that, but I think the how predates the model. So if they were to get to, to um, sack, sack him at any stage in the future, there will be a plan in place. So I think a lot of the teams that uh, have uh, the the shortest odds at the minute are the ones with the worst structure. So like that's a Ten great Hag point. Being, that's, yeah, like Ten Hag being the the second closest. Like, I think that what's keeping what's keeping him in the job is uncertainty, and that's part of the reason why he's so short. But like, if you have a director of football you're not going to have this same kind of scrambling around from managers. So you're going to play the game a whole lot better. And you're going to, if you need to wait, you'll wait. And that's why with Sunderland, I find it very interesting, the timing, because I don't think you're going to make that move when you do without a plan in place. Um, so I think that could be one of the big things. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And it, it it's not something I've actually really thought about. But when you connect the dots like that, especially when you bring in the, the Ten Hag piece, you look at Forrest, you look at... You know, I like what Vinnie Company's trying to do at Burnley, but there's not exactly a system there. It's kind of his his current system is my way or the highway, which isn't exactly working. I want him to succeed. Will he succeed? I don't know. Roy Hodgson, could you say there's a framework there? Again, sort of, but it's kind of an old school framework. Yeah, like they were early in the director of football, but it's an English way of doing it. And um, Bournemouth, they're at the beginning of setting in the model and these models do tend to have a little bit of a turnover when they're trying to find their feet or whatever. Um, Sheffield have an ownership that they don't really know what they're doing, like considering that they sacked Wilder and there was a big falling out and then a month later yeah, they were having again. Yeah. Yeah. So like you don't, you can't tell me that there's a kind of a plan there. Um, whereas like, even if we go down to, yeah, Brentford are doing well, but a hundred to one for on Thomas Frank to leave. I think they'd be um, insane because they're they I do think are building a framework and I think it's getting harder and harder to build a framework in football I think uh, especially say for example we've talked about before Eddie Howe has come in and been a massive success at, at the tune regardless of where we finished this season we've gone to heights we didn't think what, what was possible but he came in and compared to I think we talked about this before with Nathan or, or Rob that he was able to create this framework without being under a microscope, without having massive press attention and able to work out the kinks. And by the time we got all the eyeballs, it was in a solid place. And that's where I feel bad for the likes of Ten Hag, possibly with Thomas Frank, because they've had so much attention with Ivan Tony um, and, and, and that whole piece of thing. So it's, it's getting harder and harder for clubs to have the time, A, to, to 
I suppose, solidify what their format is going to be because of a couple of factors. First of all, it's all great having a framework. If you don't win games, you're going to get pushed out. Then your framework's gone with that onto the next one. Second one is having the eyes on you from the press. You know, you have a couple of good runs in the cup. Now everyone's talking about you and a couple of mess ups and you're back to square one. And then I think also with the just cyclical nature of, of management, even like look at the, 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 the longest managers in the Premier League. It's going down and down and down in, in terms of, of how long managers are there. So it's kind of like, is it Klopp and Guardiola the two longest? Yeah, time? it's 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 not, and I think I can't. Remember, there's a third one there that's not too far off them. But like when you look at numbers like that, when you compare it to the Arsene Wenger and Fergie years, like it's it's rookie numbers, you know. And and I think I think it's actually Thomas Frank because he was twenty eighteen. Yeah, that's who yeah. I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um. So like, I think Thomas Frank, they'd be insane to let go, and if they let go, I'd see him. Oh, like, multiple he's, he's a he's a hundred to one to leave. Yeah. But it's just like. He was an assistant manager there as well. So, like, they have these kind of plans in place, and it's just these teams that don't have this more modern European structure seem to be the ones that kind of scramble more. Chelsea, like, Pochettino's 25 to 1, and I don't think they ha- they can, I don't think they can get a better manager. Full stop. I don't 100%. think they can. I, I adore the man, but I don't think he even have, has a framework in his head yet. I think he's like, let's get through this first year, let's see what, let's try things. And then I think next year they'll have a plan. You'd hope, um, yeah. but like, like it's, it's it's I just find it kind of interesting just the more traditional teams and like I think that's going to be the big thing with Ten Hag now is I'd be very very interested to see what Jim Ratcliffe comes in with. Like he is a man that is used to a structure. Um, it's nice he owns, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, so they have and, football and. And teams outside of, of of football too, as 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 Nate brought us through before, and I, you know, I think someone like him, I don't know about you, if I'm Ten Hag, even if I'm doing semi well, new owners, albeit he's not majority owner, but they like having their own people. Um, yeah, but he'll he'll have control, so he'll he'll of football inside of things. Yeah, so football like, operations. Like, yeah, he makes that decision, but I think if I'm Ten Hag. You do like I personally would be nervous if if I'm Ten Hag, would you? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I think whoever Ratcliffe puts in in the director of football role or the that kind of a role, anyway, yeah. whoever's going to be, there might be a, a head of football operations and then a director of football. They might do it something like that, but whoever is the kind of the closest to Jim, I if I was Ten Hag, I'd be like. Sending cigars to, I'd be buying a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, straight from like, Cuba. Yeah. Oh, I, I'd be saying let's go to the cinema because me and you're going to be best buddies because like, <laughs> that, but that is the relationship you need to have with with your director of football. But he had that at Ajax, and that's why he was successful. You know, what I mean, like he had big yeah, decision who makers. Did have it, who did he have it with? Yeah, uh, and and why was that person sacked? <laughs> um, yeah. So, but. um It'll be yeah. So like personalities aren't always going to mix, as we saw with um the Irish women's team with Vera Pau. The Dutch way isn't always the nicest way, um. No. So it may not mesh, and I think that's where the issue for Ten Hag will be because again, like I said earlier, with some of the other teams like Bournemouth, it's going to be the start of putting in a model, and these models can take a little bit of time. I just um, don't like, know if he's the United model. I don't think. I think on his best day. Even winning games, that's not how United play football, you know? Yeah, like, I, I think one of the... Now, this is on absolutely no grounds of authority or no knowledge of the man at all, but you would imagine somebody like Ratcliffe's going to come in and want entertaining football. And now everybody says that, but I think there might be a little bit more of an onus on that and a little bit more of an acceptance for kind of a bad year or two to get good football, seeing the, what the likes of Guardiola has done on, at um, at City. Like, don't forget, it's like it's very easy to not think about Guardiola's first two years where people were kind of going, oh, has he met his match? The Premier League is... Yeah. It's not Farmers League. Like, the Messi there. and all of that? Yeah, it was like there was all these question marks. So, like, it, I think he... Ratcliffe might come in and go, right... W- 
this is the theatre of dreams and it should be again. So let's play good football. Let's be entertaining. We're, we're not in a position regardless to challenge for the title. So let's just take a year or two where we drop a position or two, like what might already happen anyway, and instill entertaining football and then reap the benefits of it down the line. Because from everything that Nathan's kind of told us and from the press, it seems that he's... It's a long-term vision that he has for the for the club. It's not. I think that's a, a, think that's a cop out, though. You know, I, I I think he's definitely building towards something. But that's, you know, uh, that's like say, fuck it, in anyone's personal life, if you're like, oh, I'm gonna lose X amount of weight. Oh, it's a it's it's a long-term thing. That's why I'm not losing the weight. It's like no, you're just you either you know. There's other factors in it, and I think he's he's kind of going, look at this shiny thing I'm going to do down the road, but don't focus on what I'm doing right now. I I, I think you're being a bit, little bit harsh there because like if he comes comes in and I think he will give Ten Hag to the end of the season, I don't I don't think the odds are going to be at that short when yeah. Ratcliffe actually comes in. I think it's kind of being a little bit dramatic. I think they'll give him the window, but I, I don't, if, if it's not meshing, I don't, they won't give him the summer. There's no point. Oh, I think I don't uh, think they sack him in season. Or I think if they do, it's like April. Yeah, it'll be end 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 of it. Um, but like if they like for what you're saying, it kind of being a cop out. If they come in and they're like, "This is the style of football we're going to play," but they start selling a load of people and buying in a load of people, well, then that to me is progress because I've seen that Sunderland where you kind of go, "Listen, this may not work." So you just like Sunderland last year. We first season back in the championship, we got to the playoffs. Incredible. But there was, like I was saying, I'd be delighted if we got mid-table, which was great. But everyone was, like a lot of the fans that I would give a little bit of credit to was kind of going, okay, we once we survive, that's like we're bringing in all these young players. They might take a little bit of time to hit the road. And you just take that on the chin if you need to. And if not, then you reap the benefits of it. And I think that could be something that happens with United. I just don't think the Ten Hag will be there for it. Um, so <laughs> whilst he is set seven to four, I don't think it's going to be the next in the sack race. Um, yeah, I think I do think that's just, uh, I think that's more a hot press topic and trying to get punters cash in the door more than anything. I think he's definitely in a dodgy position, but I, I don't think he's really as tight to the odds as he probably is in real life, you know? Yeah. Whereas I don't think the same can really be said for Vincent company, um, on seven to one. Like, I think he, that's a solid bet that, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's, um, I think it's one of these kind of ones that I'd love it to work out for him. Yeah, I think he's, I think, a good, would. I, think, I think, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a good manager. Yeah, and there's definitely mm-hmm. known that line, and you know, stats-wise, ironically, I suppose their five-nil win is what got heck and bottom of the sack. Um, mm. But and looking at their kind of season today, fifteen games, two wins, one draw, it's not looking good for them. But it's it's really a case of in for Burnley. Have they bought in on them? Did they ever think they'd stay up this year? And do they go, okay, we'll go to the championship, stay with them, and that's their long-term play? Yeah, well, and same as kind of what um, we were saying about Nottingham Forest. I would stick with them, even if it drags it out. Like, who are you going to get in instead? Yeah. And it's again, it's not, it's not about lack of talent on the market. It's who is going to fit your model and the style of football. Because one thing you can't say about Burnley is they're not entertaining. Like, they are an entertaining team. You can't deny it. Oh, like, yeah. They play decent ball. It's just the teams that they're playing are... Better. Much better. Um, yeah. Like, don't forget that, like, one of their key signings and one of the best players last year was Josh Cullen, who, whilst he is a good player for Ireland... He's buying average in, in the middle of the Premier League. If even. Like, yeah. he's, a, he's a very good championship player. I He kind of reminds you of Dwight Gale, going back to your Newcastle is kills it in the championship every time just not there just can't the get it. yeah yeah he could he, and he might he like he's only 26 and in in the position he plays he could hit 28 and just hit a new level change the type of midfielder that he is um we've seen it with Pirlo and the countless other guys um so i'm not not writing him off but like it was kind of like burnley a couple of years ago when they lost um defour 
or oh, yeah. uh, Wolves when they lost Joe Matinho. You kind of lose, like, they don't seem to have quite had that brain of... Their linchpin. Bit, the, yeah, the yeah. quarterback, yeah. Yeah, that, like, not necessarily in a passing kind of way, but, like, with Defoe is a little bit more kind of, like, aggressive, kind of like going, I'm going to stop the play here and put it back to the people that can play the ball, but I'm going to take the bull by the horns. And then with Joe Matinho, it was a lot more of the ticking clock in the middle um so like i think it'd be harsh for company to get the sack on the back of that and i haven't i haven't heard anything really press wise about that like i, I think the owners have, short on odds yeah i think the owners seem to like him i think it's literally just a stats thing of of wins and losses and you know media needing something to talk about if i'm honest i really don't see anyone and this may be commentators curse and bite me in the arse, but I don't see anyone going this side of the year. Oh, yeah, I, I'm not sure about that now. I reckon, um, Irola or I, 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 I Irola or yeah, Bournemouth th- manager. Yeah. I think he might be a little bit more precarious just because him or Cooper. They're 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 thereabouts. I think. Yeah, like. Bournemouth are where they're currently 15th. So as, as we're recording, there is games going on. So Nottingham Forest, when we were talking about them, were 15th. We're 15th, now. yeah. Yeah, now Bournemouth are 15th. Um, but they're doing good, but we've seen them not have any, um, nothing sacred. Like if they don't feel progress is being made. Now, I think that in comparison to O'Neill, Iriola is the guy that they wanted. So maybe they'll give him more time. But um, I don't see him having that much of a of a uh, a stranglehold on the team. I guess um, when you when you look at that league table, though, like you know, we're saying about uh, Burnley seven points. You know, to stay up, they need nine points as of now. It's not like they're so far behind; it's impossible. They just need momentum. You know. Yeah, like. If you're looking at the table, um, of the table and the squad and who the manager is, the one manager I'd actually be kind of looking to get rid of is, uh, being very, very honest, is Moyes. That's, yeah. And I think because there has been chats about that, I think if West Ham had a sniff of a decent manager coming in, um, and it, it like that could be somebody like my uh, my Lord and Savior Graham Potter, um, <laughs> that like they're stagnating. Like that's a team I could understand why they get rid. I wouldn't understand why Luton would get rid of Rob Edwards. Oh, that would make like look, Jesus! They didn't expect to go up. No one expects them to stay up. That like yeah. just enjoy the season. How you doing? Keep it moving. You know. Yeah, Dyche at Everton, like that's a, yeah. a very good manager for the yeah. position you're in. So keep him there. Company, Burnley, building something. Um, Nottingham Forest, Cooper, I like that. Iriola, Bournemouth, if that's who you're going with. The only only team really I can see that needs to change their manager, and it won't be because of the team's choice, it'll be Palace with Hodgson. And I know yeah. he's, he's what, 7-1 to one as well. And it, it's nothing to do with... Oh, it's not like a bad manager, end. like you know, it's it's, it's... He's doing, like where where are they? 14th. Yeah, very credible. That is exactly where Palace should be outside of football manager. Um, <laughs> but they'll lose him out because of his age. Yeah, like and and that's like I can't see him staying on. I'm surprised he stayed on this year. Well, yeah, and that's I, the thing. No one expected him to be here now. You know, and and that's where he could technically be next in the sack race is that if they got the right manager deal that they like Hodgson could go, listen, lads, you can sign him now. And if you're happy for him to come in now, I'll, I'll go. Well, I mean, and I, and I think he's a bit of a gent like that. Like, I mean, Jesus, he was retired anyway, you mm. know? So I, that actually is an interesting question. Now, if you're Will still, and you're being talked about for, or Lee Carsley, and you're getting talked about for the Sunderland job, I'd have mm. one eye on Palace. I don't, they don't feel like Palace, like I think Palace kind of, their style of football is a lot more pragmatic. Like they tried it with De Boer and it was atrocious. One of the shortest reigns yeah. or at le- least amount of matches anyway uh, in Premier League history. Um, I think with the playing players that they have, like, they tried it with Vieira and I don't think that was a, I don't think that was bad. 
Um, I actually thought Vieira was quite harshly sacked. I would have kept. Yeah, him. I'd agree with that. But like, who else do you get? See, this is the thing. What? Like, if you're like, I, 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 it sounds like we know no other managers other than we, Will Still and Lee Carsley. <laughs> but like, they are the kind of hottest managers available at the moment. Will Still is he even available? He seems pretty bloody happy where he is. I don't know. Like, I know for the Sunderland job. You were talking in the last podcast about, you know, potential people coming in, um, a lot of French kind of connections w- within that one. But when you look at, like, not to bring it to Brexit ball or whatever, but there's very mm. few, you know, UK, Ireland, Wales, Scotland managers out there, you know, and Palace are a bit of a Brexit ball team where they like having, you know, more UK focused managers. Well, like, even using your Will Still example, like, he was talking when, a year ago when he was when he was being memefied on Twitter for 25,000 um, fine per match and made it on fo- football manager, blah, blah, blah. Um, that he was saying, like, look at Vincent Company going from Andelect, which is a European-level team, um to the championship that the championship is one of the most attractive um leagues in the world right now and hardest and yeah so like if you are looking at the championship being like that and that's the level of managers that they're attracting so you're you're not just competing at the premier league level you're competing like the lower premier league level are now competing with half of the championship yeah so i think it's less so about like just some of the, the available managers out there and this list may actually surprise you so you have like Lampard which I think he would be I think I could see him at Palace I mean um, I mean he'd I think, higher but I could see him there I think Nathan would would lose his mind if if he saw Lampard back in a Premier League dugout again <laughs> um but yeah like I could see that too but I honestly think for Lampard's sake he needs to he needs to go somewhere to build a team like but like some of these managers are uh, Potter, Schalskier, Jakob Lowe, Hansi Flick, Lu- uh, Luis Fernandez, Antonio Conte, Rudy Gar- Garcia, Dean Smith is a credible manager. Um, uh, Nathan Jones, Big Sam is always there. Javi Garcia, decent manager. Ralph Hasenhutl, who should be in consideration for Ireland. Jesse March, I think, got very bad. You like you press. like him? I I never I, got I never got him. I just love the Ranić model. So if you're gonna commit. He's a good manager in that. If you're not going to walk away from him, don't try and make him fit into what you think he, that, he could do. That's Just, a ballsy move, though. If you're like, can you, like, you're one of the directors of a football club, you float that dude, having that argument of, we got to play his way, that either ends up this, in glory no, this, or both he's getting sacked. No, but this is the thing. The director of football is supposed to set the style of play. They're supposed to say, this is the kind of football we're going to play going forward. And this and is who I want. Yeah. yeah. And if Hasselhoot doesn't work, well, then here's the next guy on the list. Yeah. And then here's and the next it, guy. So the and the, we don't deviate from the plan, we deviate from the guy. Yeah. Exactly. So that, like, this is the, this is why I'm not afraid with Sunderland anymore. It's because kind of, I'm going, I know the style of football that we're playing now. I know the model of players that we're getting. This is, we just find the next person to click in. Like, Mowbray was a last ditch hire. So I'm, I'm seeing the benefit of it. And I think other people will as well. Like, and Andreas Villas Boas is available. Lucien Favre is available. I like Boas, and he's a controversial one, and a lot of people don't. And I get mm. some of the rationale for. But when you're when you're rattling through these names, like we were only talking about Joachim Lowe the other day, and he's a lot mm. younger than you'd think. He's won a bloody World Cup too. Like, I mean, he's not a yeah. he's not a schlep. Like, you know, um, Jankovic, who was at uh, Watford, uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy, who's actually on the list apparently for Sunderland. Laurent Blanc, um, Fabio Grosso got sacked at Lyon. Um, who else do we have? Uh, Van Nistelrooy like, walked away, didn't he? From I think so. Yeah, from PSV. Um, Scott Parker is available again. Not that I think he should get a job anywhere near the Premier League. Um, George Sampioli is available. Um, didn't Espirito did, Santo get let go in Saudi as well? Very possibly. Um, I think he did. Uh, Sanchez Flores is available again. I didn't know that. Um, like these are all names that recently would be. Go- yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Spiritual Santo and um, Ian Cathro, the former um, assistant manager at Newcastle. Yeah, I, um, I, 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 I think it was something they didn't vibe with the players, and they wanted them pushed out. Um, 
always right. Benzema didn't like him. And then there was the question marks over the Jota signing. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's plenty of guys out there. The only but... thing is, you look at them, it's it's the ego thing for me. Your Hansi Flicks, your Joachim Lowe's, they're not going to Palace. You know what I mean? They're not, not going. Palace, but Michael Beal. Yeah. Like, these, but the thing is, like, the a lot of these you could also see at upper championship clubs. Yeah. Um, and I think that says more about the championship clubs than it does the manager or the clubs in um in the Premier League. Like Shevchenko is a credible manager now. Um and he's he's gone from uh, Genoa. God I um, adored him as a player and his lotto boots. They were bloody fantastic. <laughs> so like my big thing about a lot of the managers that I've called out there is few of them fit the style of football that you could see a Palace or a Burnley doing. Like, yeah. There's ones that can work, but you're making it work or you're having to adjust things. And if they want to be like, um, like how Premier League clubs have been over the past 15 years, well then get a new manager in and try something completely different. But if you want, say Hodgson needed to retire tomorrow, the likes of a Mowbray coming in is a clever one because it's like, okay, I'm willing to be a transition, play decent football and kind of work on things in the meantime while you're trying to get your, your shit in order. Like there is, yeah, like there's just a lot of considerations when clubs are trying to change the coaches and when they do, I think the, the, it's it's becoming such a fucking cliche is the model, the plan, the framework. Your presentation, but, the book you bring to the, the meeting, yeah. It's it's all yeah. about your PowerPoint more than, than anything at the moment. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily something that should be kind of lambasted in a negative sense to kind of go on, oh, like, these lads are only coming in on the back of a good interview, <laughs> Nathan Jones. Um, <laughs> but I think it's clubs are getting a little bit I think clubs have seen Chelsea, clubs have seen United, City. clubs have seen... Yeah, yeah and but they've kind of seen these clubs that have had lots, like Sunderland being a perfect example of it, lots of turn, turnover in managers and no benefit of it. I think clubs are going back to a slightly older day where, yes, the overall tenure is going to be shorter. If you get beyond three years, you're an anomaly. Oh, yeah. But I think they're kind of getting back to a stage of kind of being a little more like, yeah, we're not going to change this year. We'll, we'll give them the chance. And when the right manager comes along, we'll get rid of him. Like, I think Wolves wouldn't really hesitate getting rid of O'Neill if they had the right guy. Yeah, like, I'd agree they, with that. Yeah. Like, if they could convince a Diego Simeone, if he was to leave Atletico, then you get rid of... Uh, but I think that's the stage that most of the Premier League teams are in, which is why I don't think I could call who's going to be sacked next. Who do you think? Uh, it's tough. Um, like I said, I don't think anyone... Before January, um, I think the December run is always tedious for any team. It's game upon game. It's December's like playing in the championship, to be honest, with the volume of games yeah. that you've got. Um, so I think that'll really solidify who's, you know, pardon my French in the shit. Um, mm. But I do think come the new year, if it's going to be anyone, I'm going to go with Cooper. Um, mm. I think that's probably a safe one and anyone who's listening is going, well, yeah. Um, if we're going a bit outside that, ooh, oh, it's so tough. Um, either, yeah, Cooper or outside shots, uh, Bournemouth. Um, that's the... Here we go, though. Yeah. What do you I'm, ju- I'm just, I'm just going to go proper fucking crystal ball. It's going to blow up my face in a month's time. David Moyes, he's going to be the next on the chopping block. You know, it sounds mental you're saying it, but it's really not. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of them ones I think that the, the club, depending on how January goes or doesn't go, they're just kind of one bad spell or one bust up in the dressing room away from getting rid of him. They didn't necessarily want him again. Like, there was all that talk after he'd won the uh, the Europa League, League kind of going. Yeah. Oh, the Europa Conference was it? Yeah, well, co- yeah, yeah, conference final, whatever it was yeah, called. Yeah. yeah, um, the third European draw. Yeah. Um, after that, they were kind of looking at getting rid of him. So, like, I think again, if the right manager came up, they might just go, hmm, "Yeah, thanks." 
Yeah, I think I think their January spending or lack of will be a signifier. Um, well, I think I think that would. I think if they don't spend or don't spend in the way that Moyes wants, that's gonna that he'll be gone by the end of year. Yeah, but March I think April. If, I, yeah, yeah, that it'll kind of be like right. Yeah, we're happy enough with the position now. You can go, and then they'll go looking. But um, if the right person became available in the meantime, I reckon they'd kind of go. Do you know what? Yeah, let's get this in early if we can and get past the window. That you know. That is a fantastic club to take on. That's not like I know mm. where they are in the league isn't you know amazing, but that would get, that would get a higher the, caliber manager. The team, the teams that are ahead of West Ham are Man United, Brighton, Newcastle, Tottenham, Villa being the only outlier mm. because of how well uh, Emery has them. City, Liverpool, and Arsenal. Name one club there that they should be ahead of. Yeah, and fair. you can't. Yeah, maybe Brighton, can't. maybe Brighton or Villa, but apart from that, yeah, they're, but they're on the same part. Yeah, to, like flip a coin and that'll decide the order. Yeah, top six is the top six. It's kind of just yeah, yeah. Like I think West Ham are, are as that like there is no. It's the top ten of the Premier League is not like what it used to be. There isn't this top four plus everybody else. Yeah, top ten the Premier League is all interchangeable like if West Ham were to finish fourth next year I wouldn't be surprised if we, if Brighton were to finish third Newcastle to finish second I think the only thing that's going to change is uh, the only thing that's kind of guaranteed is City is going to be one top well, yeah. one or I mean of the top six it's always Arsenal Liverpool City are always going to be in it in some guys outside that it's all yeah, the way for yeah. Yeah, like and like, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of the seasons uh, Liverpool slips to fourth in the next three or four years, just yeah. off of the strength of a of a team rising rather than their own weakness. I'm um, fascinated to see how Liverpool do when the day comes, the clock goes. I want to see what he's left behind. I'd be mad interested to see where he goes. I think he'll take a break. I think he'll do a Guardiola and take like two, three years off. And I don't think he takes another job. Ever, I think maybe national. I don't know if he'd work as an international manager. He He's seems to be quite training ground like, guy. Yeah, like I know I've I've pipped Graham Potter to be Ireland manager, but like and every manager little, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, but like I think Potter would, despite being a very much kind of training ground manager would be better at the training ground, uh, better as an international manager because he's so analytically driven. But I think what we've seen with Klopp is that you have a reliance on your backroom staff. And I think that's the issue potentially with Klopp is that you might not get the staff associated with it. Yeah. Yeah. To go to the German job because they're going to spend half the time just I could also see he loves ball so much that I could see him going to like a passion project. Second division Germany, he's kind of just go back to mines, try and rebuild them or something. Yeah, I, I, uh, this is probably just pure football manager talking, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a director of football at a German club. I think he's too erratic, but I could see it in a way. I could see him in an Ali Khan way. Yeah, that that kind of like um. CEO or something, yeah, yeah, kind of a head figure. Like yeah. he'll be the kind of press facing. He'll keep your manager in line rather than being the one that's gonna. Then he's such a he loves football so much that I don't know if he could try. Like when you're in those kind of call them C suite roles of of, mm. of football, you need a certain level of give and take. Mm. And I don't think he is that guy. That's my only concern with it. I think if, if he's like... I'd resolve he can. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, fair enough. And he's not... Well, I suppose he's not in the job either now. <laughs> yeah. But like, if, if you look at look at Klopp and say... Um, like, I know he was at Mainz that... Uh, or even say Dortmund, somewhere that he's been before. And you're buying that club. And a 68-year-old or a 65-year-old Klopp is around and not doing anything. Oh, you bring him in. You get him in because yeah. you're going to get people inside, and you just deal with the erraticness. But I think he's an he's erratic in a uh, he's a head the ball kind of way rather yeah. than a an actual man. yeah yeah like and I think even if he was a little bit of a madman, he's worth it. You put um, him in as like technical director, ambassador, somewhat Bobby Charlton ish, but you know more involved. 
yeah, like I think I think I could see him doing something like that. Um, I don't see him going to a big big club. No, if you know well, what I, mean. I, I don't. I, I don't. He's, he's never he's never really gone for the big clubs. No, like obviously Liverpool's one of the biggest clubs in the world, but different, you know. Yeah, but they weren't when yeah. when he took over. Yeah. Um, he the man does love a project, and on like unless fucking maybe going back to Dortmund, I could maybe see that. I could see it if under the right parameters. Um, yeah. I just I don't know. I don't obviously never met the bloke, but he just seems to me that he need he's a guy that needs a challenge at all mm. times. But can he get that off the field? I don't know. You know. And with Liverpool, I think that's it's very telling that they've gone through what three directors of football now, mm-hmm. and like one of the things, not not to sound very um, British about things, but one of the reasons why the monarchy is still there in the UK is it's meant to be a long term hand guiding the ever changing prime ministers, mm-hmm. and we can see saw that with the Queen and yeah. the longevity of it, and having somebody around that will kind of go. That's the, like That's meant to be there as an advisory. Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, this is now as if the prime minister is outlasting monarchs. Yeah, with the way Liverpool is, yeah. so you kind of have like Klopp fulfilling the role of your director of football and your director of football being just there. Um, and I, I don't like. I don't know how much it is is Liverpool's fault because it was Michael Edwards that left, and then Julian Ward left after a year. That being alarm bells um but i don't know if that was ward following i think there's also the fsg side of things going is the club for sale is it not for sale if it is sold is my job gone you know i think there's a bit of that too yeah so that'll that'll be definitely one to watch into the future um of kind of the the big 10 i think they're once they lose their manager i think they're the ones that actually need need to worry they could yeah like i mean they're not gonna they're not gonna i don't think they'll go full chelsea um and and into that no, situation, no, no, but no. I think they'll they'll definitely be a loss of direction. Um, initially, unless they really get the right guy at the right time, I I'd imagine champ outside Champions League for the the year after he goes. Look at that! We make predictions about who's going to be sacked next, and then we're going full crystal ball into the future of some of the biggest clubs in the Premier League. Connor, I bloody love it. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed that chat. And thank you uh, to our listeners for sticking with us through that. A second episode in the week. We love to see it. We love to see it. Chat you later. Bye-bye. I'm not into podcasts.